other people overwhelmed her. Strange, perhaps, for a woman who'd added four beings to the universe of her own reluctant volition, but a fact nonetheless. Marilyn rued the inconvenient presence of bodies, bodies beyond her control, her understanding, bodies beyond her favor. She rued them now, from her shielded spot beneath the ginkgo tree where she was hiding from her guests. She'd always had that knack for entertaining, but it drained her fully time and time again. Decades of her father's wealthy clients and her husband's humorless colleagues, of her children's temperamental friends, of her transitory neighbors and ever-shifting roster of customers. And yet, today, a hundred-odd near strangers in her backyard, humans in motion, staying in motion, formally clad, tipsy celebrants of the union of her eldest daughter, Wendy, people who were her responsibility for this evening when she already had so much on her plate, not literally, for she'd neglected to take advantage of the farm-fresh menu spread over three extra-long card tables, but elementally, four girls for whose presences she was biologically and socially responsible, polka-dotting the lawn in their summer pastels. The fruits of her womb, implanted repeatedly by the sweetness of her husband, who was currently nowhere to be found. She'd fallen into motherhood without intent, producing a series of daughters with varying shades of hair and varying degrees of unease. She, Marilyn Sorensen, nay Connolly, a resilient product of money and tragedy. From dubious socio-emotional Irish Catholic lineage, but now, for all intents and purposes, as functional as they come, an admirably natural head of dirty blonde hair, marginally conversant in both literary criticism and the lives of her children, wearing a fitted forest green sheath that exposed the athletic curve of her calves and the freckled landscape of her shoulders. People kept referring to her with great drama as the mother of the bride, and she was trying to act the part, trying to pretend that she wasn't focused almost exclusively on the well-being of her children, none of whom that particular evening seemed to be thriving. Maybe normalcy skipped a generation, like baldness. Violet, her second-born, a striking brunette in silk chiffon, had uncharacteristically reeked of booze since breakfast. Wendy was always cause for concern, despite seeming less beleaguered today, owing either to the fact that she'd just married a man who had bank accounts in the Caymans, or to the fact that this man was, as she vocally professed, the love of her life. And Grace and Liza, nine years apart, but both maladjusted, the former a shy, stunted, soon-to-be second-grader, and the latter about to friendlessly finish her sophomore year of high school. How could you grow people inside your own body, sprout them from your own extant materials, and suddenly be unable to recognize them? Normalcy. It bore a second look, sociologically speaking. Gracie had found her beneath the ginkgo. Her youngest was almost seven, an insufferable age, Eons from leaving the household, still childish enough that she'd tried to slip into their bed in the middle of the previous night, which wouldn't have been that big of a deal had her parents been clothed at the time. Anxiety did something to Marilyn. Always had. Drew her magnetically to the animal comfort of her husband. 
Sweetheart, why don't you go find... She hesitated. The only other children at the wedding were toddlers, and she didn't specifically want to encourage Grace's already burgeoning antisocial love of dogs by suggesting that she go play with Goethe. But she wanted a moment to herself, just a few seconds to breathe in the cooling air of early evening. Go find Daddy, love. I can't find him, Grace said, the hint of a baby voice blunting her vowels. Well, look harder. She bent to kiss her daughter's hair. I need a minute, Goose. Grace moved off. She'd already checked on Wendy, already swung on the porch swing with Liza until her sister had been distracted by a boy wearing sneakers with his wedding suit, already convinced Violet to share four sips of champagne from her fancy glass flute. She was out of people to check on. It was strange to have to share her parents with others this weekend, to have her sisters back around the house on Fair Oaks. Her father sometimes called her the only, only child in the world who has three sisters. She resented slightly her sisters homing in on her territory. She soothed herself, as she always did, with the company of Goethe, curling up with him beneath the purple flower bushes and running her hand through his bristly fur, the part of his butt that looked like it had been permed 